Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Um, if you're new here, Amanda and I, we host a wellness guest every Sunday, and that's when our new episodes come out. So be sure to subscribe and follow us so you don't miss out on anything new. Um, if you missed last week, Lisa Schaefer, she returned with us and covered the solar plexus chakra. We talked all about the impact of trauma and tips for unblocking this chakra. This week, we have another installment of our man, our man Down Men's Mental Health series, and we have Evan the Counselor returning, and of course, Tommy is returning with us. So, he Evan, he's going to be you know offering a unique perspective being a, a male working in the mental health profession. So, welcome back, Evan. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, a few months ago, Evan and I had a good conversation about trauma and addiction and so you'll have to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. But I'm loving this Man Down Men's Mental Health series. I'm so thankful to have uh, an emotionally intelligent husband that wants to uh, talk about these topics. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So without further ado, I will pass it on to Tommy. Yeah, hello, everybody. And, um, you know, we're going to kind of take the same approach as we do every week and just really get into a natural conversation about some of the things that that are in this realm, in this area. Um, you know, I'm going to play the part of just another guy. Now we have three professionals, so I'll try not to I'll try not to be on the defensive with the with all the counselors here. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll step aside and let Evan introduce himself. So can you tell us about yourself, Evan? Yeah, sure. So I'm uh... It's my background. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and licensed addiction counselor in Minnesota. So I currently have a practice and um, yeah, I also you know, manage uh, companies that do housing for people coming out of treatment, managing a group practice. And um, so that's kind of my day job. And then and by night, I um, make content. Uh, so I've been doing that the last six to nine months uh, and where I met you lovely people on TikTok uh, primarily, but also YouTube and other some of the other social media. So that's kind of been my newest novelty project that is uh, taken on a mind of its own. But uh, yeah, that's that's the general gist. So yeah, basically just doing education and addiction, mental health space and um, you know, putting some entertaining flares to it now and again. So, yeah, yeah, that's the a few costumes here and there. <laughs> a few, a few wigs, you know, other <laughs> of humiliating myself. Yeah, I've never owned so many wigs in my life. I'm up to two. <laughs> <laughs> so new record for me on wigs. Um, yeah. So, you know, kind of looking and taking a bit of an aim. Uh, what we've typically done in the past, and I was going to take a little bit of a different approach to start off the conversation today is we generally kind of talk about some of the things that, you know, we're suffering with and we're going through. And not, not that I want to minimize that, but I want to take a little bit of a, of a curveball angle on this and, and, and kind of ask, you know, Evan, what do you think from the men's mental health perspective that men are doing wrong to not help themselves? Like, what, if, what are we doing to ourselves that's keeping us in this, allowing the stigma to, to sit just in our, our social group or our, our area, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, I think there's the classic answer, and that is, you know, you know, as men, we're taught 
about, you know, in, in just like women are in their own way, we're taught by our parents and even in a broader sense by society of how to survive in this environment. And for a very long time, uh, you know, of our hundreds of thousands of years, pretty much all of it, you know, there was this element of, you know, the necessity to be strong, to be tough. Um, and those are things that even though we like to think we're so enlightened, are still <clears throat> part of our uh, of our programming, of our like indoctrination into society uh, is these old means of survival, you know, in, in this in this harsh world. And these things still get reinforced, um, you know, these, these stereotypes of masculinity. And I don't and I'm not one who's like, you know, we need to completely dismantle the whole system and men need to completely, you know, like soften themselves like 1000% and be, you know, and just completely get rid of everything. But I, I think that we do internalize, you know, that, that you, know, you have that buzzword of like toxic masculinity. But I think it's there are things that are, you know, taken too far. And I think that puts a lot of stress on men, especially in how much society has evolved that we don't we don't need these things anymore that were maybe necessary for survival. You know, the, it comes with a cost. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at, you know, like our grandparents generation or something like that, you know, when there was, you know, much more you know, or maybe different types of ad adversity, you know, the, the, the typical thing for men to do is like, you know, to get through this tough world, you need to shut down turn your emotions off, you need to, you know, take life as it comes, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be tough and, you know, and close yourself off emotionally and, you know, have a few drinks at night. And that's just, and that's just what life is. And I think it set that expectation a little bit lower. And I think there are advantages to that, right? It's like, you can't hurt me if I put that wall up. But what I'll, what I'll tell to men is that there is that trade-off if i'm if i'm totally closed off emotionally if i if i keep that to myself you know or like the simon and garfunkel song you know like i'm a rock i'm an island and that's what exactly what that was about um is like a man being alone and it may and it may not just be not having people around but being alone on your own emotional island right can't hurt me but at the same time you're closing yourself off to a lot of the beauty that's out there um, when you don't let yourself, where you don't take those emotional risks. And then there's the overt toxic elements as well of just stress uh, by not having some of those uh, supports and allowing yourself to be open, uh, you know, internalizing, uh, putting pressure on yourself to be strong, tough, always have it together to have to be the provider, to, you know, internalizing it. It's exhausting uh, and it puts a lot of stress and, you know, and then there's actual mortality, right? By you know, notoriously yep. not going to the doctor. Um, so yeah, that would be my general synopsis of men. I never really so thought of a, that, but. 
there's a recent a recent experience I had, um, and it's just one experience. And and my sub my my sample set when I bring topics to the table are very small, so I I can't say. And I always try to asterisk that you know not speaking for the demographic, but it feels common around my my groups, my areas, my where I work. You know, the people I'm around, my family members, things like that. I've recently been battling with um, you know, this ebbs and flows of imposter syndrome. As a man, I'm in my field and I'm working and I'm dealing with this imposter syndrome. And it's been giant, it's like I can't stop thinking about it and trying to put it together. Analytical thinking, trying to solve solve the puzzle. I'm working through this and every out feels uncomfortable. Every single out of figuring out how to manage it other than just bury it inside as deep as I can and keep powering forward. So that's that, like you said, that toxic, <clears throat> the stress level instantly increases, right? Spikes right through the roof. And I'm going through this and I'm going through this. And even, you know, even re related to this podcast, this is very uncomfortable for me personally because I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe talking about what's going on with me anywhere, pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. But I've grown and I'm educated and I, and I understand now, like I need to, but I'm fascinated by this overcoming this fear. And I can't help but wonder if this is one of the, the giant barriers that might help really tear down a large corner of the stigma to help people free themselves up to actually start improving like how how can we make people feel safe you know and the first thing that the the, the option i took in that moment when it came to work and my imposter syndrome is i did some research i watched a few podcasts there was a, a ted talk that i that i really liked so i sent it out to my entire team all the people that are that, that work for me and i said hey you know i think we all face this i can't imagine i'm alone in this but here's something in case you do that might help you go forward that was my attack my attack was immediately to help other people so I, I want to know, you know, I'm curious, you know, what do you think about, or, or, or Amanda or Kelsey, what do you think is, is helpful to try to get people to just a common man, just the, the man that's out there struggling, that never talks about what's going on, needs to heal, needs to break down the stigma. We need to start moving, like Evan said, into the new, where we're at now, get out of biblical times, get out of the Neanderthal thinking of, of we have to do X, Y, and Z on yeah. our chest, you know. So what I mean, what are the thoughts on how we can help men, even myself right now, I'm like shaky just talking about it, feel hmm. safe to talk about this? Like, why does it feel so uncomfortable? Or is that really down to an individual person? It just feels like it's more collective than that. It is. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just had like a quick comment. And I immediately, the first thing that came into my head when you told me that you sent that out to like all of your team that you work with was how like to ask you how vulnerable or how like uncomfortable that made you feel to put something that resonated with you personally out there and I'm sure I don't want to assume that those are safe people for you that you work with by being co-workers but that's I feel like to give yourself it was, credit <laughs> it was still terrifying and, and what was yeah. interesting is doing it felt right but then I was caught in this conflict for for days, probably a little bit still lingering of, I don't know if I made a mistake doing that. Did I open up too much? Did I expose myself? Did I, am I weak now to the to the team, to the people that I have to lead? Or do they now see me as weak? And, and you know, you get into a place like that in the you know, corporate environment, they may go through it and may help them, may not. But there's no real feedback loop, so you can't reinsure, you know? But I need, you know, you want the confidence to just do stuff like that and be okay with it, move on, right? It seems like you three have found a way to do it super effectively. Evan, you seem like you're having a lot of success in, in, in like even just your TikTok. Look at the numbers and the in the mid videos you have, and it's yeah. impressive. Like you know, it seems like you you might have conquered it. So, 
<laughs> oh man, so there was a lot there. So you know, some great thoughts, you know, that, that you all you all bring up, and I think look, I think right now there's a big overcorrection. You can almost hear how you maybe put a little pressure on yourself, like I have to just shed myself. 100% of this masculinity and become this like super enlightened new age like vulnerable you know kind of guy and I don't know I'm more someone who likes to find a balance and also acknowledge it and that some of these things were there for a reason some of this is men I do believe is built into our biology maybe it's just evolution um, it served a purpose right this is not just you know some of these male stereotype typical characteristics did not just come out of nowhere like these were often necessary for our survival and you know right to survive on the savannas and hunt and you know deal with just a harsh harsh reality and not that women haven't had to do that you know it's like it just the existence is very harsh for different reasons right in that in that typical societal structure and you know now that we have the luxury that you know we have a grocery store that we could stop that we could do more of these maslow's top tip of the spear hierarchy of working towards more enlightenment uh, some of us have that right i get to sit in my office and talk to people for a living and make silly TikTok videos but not everyone has that luxury i mean some people are working 12 16 hour a day hard jobs hard on their body um you know and there there does need to be an element of some mental toughness and this is what i'll tell the guys like look you don't have to shed that completely but can you give yourself a little break to give yourself a little room to whether that's finding one other person because i think what happens with guys is we're all yearning for this right we all have this like emotional mm -hmm. ourselves that's like being like in prison in our basement and you know every guy has it and they all want to come out at once but everyone's like afraid to do that and sometimes it just takes one person to allow themselves uh to bring that up or to set like you there to send that email uh because i think every guy you know they're all afraid that the you know what if i do this how is everyone going to judge me and it's like it's like a it's like a standoff um and it sometimes i think it just takes one person and especially a leader sounds like maybe you're in a leadership role to do that and set the culture and that is so important whatever you know group of men that you're with i mean men i think um you know in general have this yearning this desire to be with other men right for the uh Someone like seven of you have heard of like Sebastian Younger, but he talks a lot about this. He's um, like he's the one who wrote, I believe, like the Perfect Storm, and he wrote. And I didn't get to read the book, but I've heard him talk about this called Tribe, where just like men in like a military sense, it's like we're built like to have this mission, this camaraderie, this. Com but but within that, like even in a, like a military structure, there is this like real these really deep bonds that emotionally form. Um, when you are provided with this task and it's like we have this built into us and I think if you have someone like a strong leader who's able to change that culture be like look it's okay we could be man we could be a little competitive we can 
you know, we could give each other shit. We could try to outdo each other. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to be if we do that all the time and we shut ourselves off emotionally, there's going to be consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And and being OK emotionally, you know, to have those emotional and to turn that off. You know, it's like we just need to turn be able to turn that off and take a bigger perspective uh, and have more of those vulnerable connections. And then and then we could go back to that and not take everything so seriously, because then you start to develop that imposter syndrome, you internalize that and it makes you feel bad about yourself. So I, I think that's really cool that you did that, that you and I and I think as men, we have to do that with confidence as well to be like, you know what, like mm-hmm. because, you know, men respect that from other men, especially their leaders. I think like we're very as a species, you know, we're a pack species and we're very hierarchical too. So I think sometimes if you have someone who's, you know, a little bit higher up in a leadership role doing that, then everybody else falls in. And I I sometimes tweak it a little bit too with with my reluctant men um, where I say, well, what's harder for you, right? Is it harder for you to just keep doing what you're doing, avoid to harbor it in? Or is it more of a challenge? Is it more hard? Is it more difficult for you to allow yourself to open up to someone else to face your emotions? Oh well, the latter. Okay, so absolutely. <laughs> like you got to just kind of the latter system a little bit and be like, okay, so you know, being a man, like, are you up for the challenge? Are you man enough to? <laughs> I think it's best to you know this is only last resort, but but yeah, I mean, I think framing it in that way too, of like, okay, if being a man means doing the hard thing and challenging yourself, like, let's see if you could conquer this challenge. Um, what are you, what are you scared? You're not man enough to be vulnerable. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta just tweak the system a bit. Yeah, with any change, we have to move through the discomfort. That's the only way you get to the other side. So I love that. And, you know, like just kind of bouncing off what you said, praising for sending that email out. Tommy, you asked, what do you do to make people feel safe? That's exactly it. Like sending that email out is validating for everybody else, their own internal struggle. And so that's where you create, like Evan said, the culture of safety. Yeah. Right. And all of it felt naturally right the whole time. Like it was like, yeah, I got to do this, got to do this with no real reluctance to do it. It went right out. I made time, made sure it went out. But the entire time, it's just it's it's wild to really kind of self-analyze and feel all these different things that were going on. Right. And it was just like trying to put a pin in them. Like, what does it mean? What does it mean? I want to understand this. I want to know how I can improve, change, evolve, all these things. And it's just even, you know, even in talking about it now, the, the whole thing. The confidence piece you you mentioned, but that's interesting because it's having confidence and being vulnerable seems almost almost too conflicting from the perspective that it I feel like I'm coming from, or I, I feel like men tend to come from when they're when they're just kind of striving and going through. Like you had mentioned, what's what's harder, right? And in all cases, almost all cases that I've ever experienced, even including every one of the the awesome men that have been on this this um this series, they strap their boots up you know they, they go to work it's it's fine you know and then the, the, the bad part like you said earlier though is it buries you know and then it ends up causing you to have serious health impacts and you're dealing with with stress and you know the worst the worst than that we're just perpetuating the cycle and it's really just you know how do we unplug that clash right be vulnerable while also being confident how do, how do we do that and, and maintain the proper mask the masculinity that is that is beneficial 
and that is just part of the nature without the destruction of the pieces that we've adapted for survival, right? How do we detach those? It's, it's always in my head. I, yeah, and I think that's the best. Like, like what you did, I think is like, I mean, something like that could be so powerful. You know, and I story like men are so hierarchical in that way, predictable, like, and I swear to God, like if you if you went in with your chest up and you're a leader and people respect you and you came in with a dress, you said, look, boys, it's OK to wear a dress. And everyone would look right. up and be like, he says it's OK to wear a dress. You know, <laughs> right. you're so confident about, you know, you have people, everyone wearing a dress the next day. Uh, it, I, th I think there is something to that, you know, where we really, res you know, I think, you know, men. You know, and I hate like, you know, and it just feels weird to bring up some of these stereotypes, but I think we've gone so far away that we just want to scrap everything and not acknowledge that there are some parts about male culture. And I think some of it comes from biology, probably, you know, probably 50 50, maybe less even, but a good chunk comes from our biology and our evolution and survival. And then uh, and, and again, not everybody who's a man necessarily a very good percent don't really it doesn't a lot of that doesn't feel right for them uh to you know they aren't interested in football or they you know they don't want not like yeah they're not interested in a lot of these like stereotypical male pursuits but you know i think it is it, it is important to acknowledge that that is a, that it is a thing and that you know we are drawn in general to some of these Things. Now, I, I think with that, the importance of culture shifting, you know, and you were asking, how do we start to shed ourselves of some of those things? I, I, I heard, and I think this probably this guy would be a great person for you to have on the podcast if you get him. Um, uh, there's a guy, uh, Dan Griffin. Maybe you should check. I think you would enjoy his work, but he's uh, in the addiction community. And he wrote a book called like the men's way through the 12 steps. And I saw a presentation, he does such a good, uh, good presentation on this talking about men and addiction, because, you know, it's like, I think about these guys, right? The day laborers who, you know, work all day, they invite these like, you know, typical masculine way. And it's like, well, what do they do? They drink, <laughs> you know, like at the end of the day. And so, yeah, it's like, we have a couple choices we could, you know, let ourselves be open up emotionally, you know, or we could just close off and drink. And alcohol is such a great numbing agent uh, that that men have historically used and and women, too, obviously. But uh, so he does a presentation and. And it's pretty funny. So it's like a, a room of us clinicians and this guy comes in, you know, there's men, there's women. Uh, I, I don't want to get too vulgar. But um, like the first thing he does is he'll have us and he'll say, what are like when you think of being a man, what are the rules? He calls them man rules. Like, what are the rules? And they'll start, you know, you kind of start off soft, like, you know, be strong. And then it gets and he kind of like guides you to get to this point where it's like super like vulgar, you know, where like not all of them are, but like something like have sex with as many women as possible right with a you know certain kind of genitalia with you know and not yeah with women not men right mm -hmm. and 
you start to think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, like, that does make sense. You know, there would be this, like, all of these things that you're talking about. And in the end of the day, there's, like, 50 of these rules, and it's all, like, be tough. And, I mean, you know, F a lot of women with a big D, you know, not met. Like, you just mm-hmm. go to it, and you're just like, holy shit. Um, you know, and then at the end of the day, like, you start to see some of these are, like, really contradictory as well. Um, it's, like, be, like, as strong as possible, but also be humble, you know, there's a, and it, you look at it, you're like, oh my God, that's like maddening. And then for women, it's, you know, there's going to be their own things, like be pretty 24 seven, like there's all these like pressures on women as well from this like very stereotypical lens. It's just, it's just a different kind of bad, right? And so then you come in, let's say to treatment, uh, you go into drug and alcohol treatment and you have these rules in your head. And then what do we tell you? Right. And this is something I think therapists need to be extremely mindful of, because especially, you know, our, our more enlightened and you know female therapists, we have these guys come in and we're like, OK, so here's what we got to do. Here's what's on your treatment plan. We're going to we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to drop all of these things. And you're like, whoa. Uh, and I think men, they can't even verbalize because there's these rules in our heads and we know them, but we mm-hmm. don't we don't ever see them on the whiteboard and see how crazy it is. Um, and then there's fear in that, because like think about, let's say, growing up on the streets of Brooklyn or something, if you're going out, you know, going around and being like, oh, I'm gay um, or you know, it's like you're going to like you wear the wrong piece of clothing that's like, you know, you wear like a like a, a colorful like handkerchief like you're gonna get your ass kicked you know for like wearing a handkerchief it doesn't it doesn't take much you know to have that societal pressure and that's you know it's like what our parents or grandparents will teach us like you know don't be gay you know don't like and it comes from a place that we want you to be safe and so you're asking a lot of men coming in to right off the bat just drop all of it it's it's really scary and i think that has to be acknowledged and i think you have to make the case to them why that is and not try to push it too far and be like yeah you have to you know be this like enlightened hippie um you know and drop everything and totally feminize yourself um, right like we're trying to find the right marketing scheme to to make everybody say hey yeah you need this this is what this is good for you this is beneficial this is going to be a great future for you yeah it, you know there, there has to be that disarming um, and I think that I think that is a problem of what I see in the field as well, of not acknowledging that, because I think the anecdote's still the same. But, um, you know, to, for a lot of men coming in, especially ones who are reluctant to get services. And what, the good thing is you're seeing more men come in. I got a lot more guys who eventually they just can't take it anymore. These tough guys, they just, you know, and especially with. Because like before they could get away with it, you know, it's like, okay, I got a good enough paying job. I could support my family. You know, I, you know, I, I make a wage. I come home. I drink with the boys. I got my kids. And, you know, and you just go through life and it's fine. <clears throat> you know, there's the, again, there's the trade-off. But nowadays with a lot of those jobs going away, more <clears throat> substance use, opiate use, um, just harsher uh you know, I think I think that luxury isn't there quite in the same way that it was before. So I think a lot more men are coming to treatment. But I think as a as clinicians, we need to realize what's coming in and that we can't just go right for 
you know, quote, feminizing right mm-hmm. away. And how that could be dysregulating for a guy. And, and people come in with different levels of this, right? I mean, if you have your, you know, 25 year old who has their bachelor's degree from a liberal arts school, I think they're going to be a little more open to it. But, you know, especially if you, if you have someone who comes from that culture and honor culture, you know, who has imbibed more of these, who has been more sensitive and imbibing these messages, who had a father who was a hard ass, who beat them, um, you know, who really have these deep instilled core beliefs. I just think we have to be more mindful of that as a, as a profession. Um, but that doesn't mean you get a pass. I think you still, have, you know, like you said, with, with like the marketing um, and you really have to, I think you really have to make the case to a, to a guy, especially you have to sit him down and be like, here's why. And I think, you know, guys, you know, and these are again, just these are just generalizations and not everyone comes in with these stereotypes but i think sometimes if you can make the case like i could think of some of like the harder guys that have come in um and they'll ask me like they'll like they'll like almost like debate me like in in a way to because they want they want to see if my argument holds up okay why do i need to be vulnerable and sometimes even just doing that and appealing to their logic and being like okay how's this worked for you how is how is this coping strategy you know what was it that brought you here right why are you mm-hmm. here uh, and and selling it to them, I, I've I've seen that work with some guys, and they say, okay, yeah, we can do this gradually. No, you don't have to go all the way this way. You could hold on to some of these things that have kept you safe, but maybe these are the ones that you would benefit. These traits would be the ones to to work on um, that'll give you the most bang for your buck, so to speak, uh, where you don't have to go all the way. Um, I don't know. I found that to be helpful with some of those those more masculine stereotypical clients yeah they don't have to like put the dress on right away yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you think about, you know, you're you're talking about the the biological evolutionary socialized, you know, the traits that you we've kind of taken on as a society, gender wise. And then you had, and the, those keep us safe. And you're like talking about what ones have kept us safe that we can let go, and what ones you can hold on to, you know, that balance. And then you add trauma. And the things that have kept people safe through trauma on top of that already. And I think that just, I don't know. I I don't really have a question. Just I'm thinking, you know, those things are already biologically innate in us. And we're fighting battles every day to work through it. And then you add on someone that's been through trauma and had to keep themselves safe with all these other coping mechanisms and boundaries and walls. And it's like, we're asking a whole lot. A whole lot of people so i think that too just giving ourselves grace in the moment to realize what we're really asking of ourselves yeah no that's yeah that's abs that's absolutely true you know and with you know looking at it through that trauma lens you know men i mean we could do a whole podcast on women and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the stereotypes and some of the toxic uh messaging um and the trauma from that and it's just you know a little bit different for men it's like we all have that and yeah for men it just it i think it pushes in you know it's like trauma 
pushes us further into these extremes. Um, you know, and maybe for women that looks different, for men that looks different. And a lot of that trauma, like, you know, kind of like physical violence, fights, you know, you know, abuse from father, you know, like those kind of, and I think that's, and I noticed that, you know, maybe you all noticed this too, but I think some of the biggest parental traumas come from the parent of the same sex. Not that guys don't have a lot of mom issues and girls dad issues, but I think there's like a unique importance of the modeling of the parent who's of the same sex. And that really sets a template for how you view and interact the world, you know, looking at it through a gender lens. And we could look through life and all these different lenses, but looking at it through a gender lens, which is a really big part of who we are and how much because of just how how much. And in that presentation, I was telling about that Dan, that he, he, he kind of does that like classic fish joke of, you know, hey, fish says the other fish, how's the water? And like, what's water? It's like, that's gender, where it's everything is gendered in our, in our culture. And it's so important, so much so that we don't even realize what's going on. And when you break those rules, and even some of the most sensitive among us, when you break those rules, there are consequences for it, even if they're not blatantly stated. And I think a lot of men get still, society reinforces those stereotypes. And I think, and, and you know, it's maybe a little controversial to say this, but um, of course not all women, but I think women also reinforce men for that as well where we feel like we have to be strong, or if we, let's say in like a dating environment, if we show vulnerability, they're like, mm, right? Like, I don't know, you know, there's still that, you know, general, and again, you know, there's a lot of people who are much more enlightened and have worked on that. And, and I think one example, I did a video on this a while ago, I think it really goes to show where we're at. And because I think a lot of women would like to argue with me on this, we're like, that's not true. Like, no, I want the sensitive guy or no, I like the nice guy. But at the end of the day, most guys could tell you in a dating scene, they're like, no, when I show that vulnerability, I get, I get rejected or they view me as weak. Uh, and I think there's a statistic, I don't know the exact number, but it's something between like 60 to 80% of women. And I mean, this is of among the like the college educated and enlightened and liberal and they would not date a guy that's bisexual. They wouldn't even consider it. It's like 60 to 80, but if you really hold their feet to the fire, uh, you know, for men, it's much you know, more different. Like females, bisexual, it's viewed differently. But a, a man who's ever slept with a man almost becomes this like, uh, you know, they're like blacklisted or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because of because of how feminizing that is, and and I and I've kind of done this with some of my female friends, where I'll ask them, like, would you ever, you know, some of my most liberal LGBT friendly, and they'll they'll sometimes if they're honest with me, they'll say, yeah, no, that would really mess with my head, um, because they're then just viewed as gay, or it's just very fe uh, feminizing and unsexy. Um, so as as much as we like to think, oh, it's just men who are in vibing these stereotypes and they need to change i think this is a society including women you know we need to be we need to challenge those preconceived notions if that makes sense yeah it's almost 
I wonder if it if it plays to that same light at the the way that men have that natural like we've developed over time with our species that we have these measures we have to live up to and women have measures that they need to live up to too and that's you know it, it seems almost like it's 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 just that nature natural thing that to require that strong caveman to make sure that the dinosaurs don't come into my cave and eat me and my children you know and you know i wonder if that holds but interesting still as you're talking of it i'm thinking like is this is this how evolution works is it just a slow roll is it just us eventually evolving because of the environment is it us eventually evolving out of absolute necessity or have we ever faced a time in civilization where we were where we had these conversations before and we were able to force a bit of an evolution or change not a societal because this seems way deeper than a societal function you know if we're talking about carrying over natural instincts and and our basic the basic way we are based on you know our sex or our gender the way the society doesn't help but we seem to be carrying over things that we've had when we were walking around in caves yeah so it's it's fascinating it's super fascinating to me anyway so I've, you know, so there's a lot of controversy out there and you'll hear this in the public discourse about, and again, I'm, I'm kind of like a centrist on just about everything, right? Where some people are like, no, this is all society. This is not our evolution. This is not how we're built. You know, men are built the same way. It's, it's all culture. And then the other side's are like, no, it's all biology. And the way I view it, I, I think some of these, these, stereotypes, these commonalities, societal messaging, whatever, it comes from something that's real, right? It mm -hmm. comes from something biological, it's just cranked up, right? And and that's why like, like, like an example with like LGBTQ, gay men, right? Like there's a lot of people that do not fit into that stereotype, trans, right? And, and there's a lot of gay men who are like, love all the hyper-masculine things in football. And, you know, it's it's so complicated at the end of the day. But before, we just kept it really simple. If you're a man, in general, most men are cool with football and like the competitiveness. And it's not it's not this like uphill battle. But for a good percent of them, they're like, you know, we're like, no, it's just like not how we are. I'm not like hyper-competitive. I don't love football. I don't. Um, but you get push into these categories and you have that percentage of men who this just doesn't feel right for them, right? Feeling like there's something missing. And even then those guys who take it too far and they're like, yeah, I'm a man, we're gonna close the emotions down. You know, there's, you know, there's consequences, there's emotional consequences, physical consequences for doing that as well. So I think these come from a very real place and you don't have to go to caveman times to see how this could be beneficial. Like, like life is, in general is very harsh like mm -hmm. go back 100 years like you need to have some grit um you know like to to get through some of the you know disease and this and working hard you know physical labor and like you need to have some of those things and yeah going back to hunting times right like you need to be like you needed to be strong fit to survive to hunt to get your next meal um, and that was essential for society, right? Just like some of the typical female roles of like needing to, you know, have, you know, that's, you know, that's where some of like the, the looks and fertility and, you know, and that's where a lot of things, these things come from. They just get hyper exacerbated and we just get pushed into one of two. Now you're seeing this open up where, hey, there's a lot more options along the gender 
and sexuality spectrum that you could choose from. And that's dysregulating for people who are more conservative minded. And I don't necessarily mean conservative, you know, there is a correlation there, but for more conservative, traditional minded people, it's very dysregulating for them to see all this like, whoa, these rules are getting, you know, go to, you know, I was at the, we had our pride festival a little late this year and just like going through and being like, have someone from a hundred years ago and just like their brain would literally explode. Mm. Um, so I think this, this, it does come from a very real place. And I think we do a disservice by completely dismissing that and just being like, oh, this is just men being taught, you know, having toxic masculinity. Uh, you know, it, it really dismisses, you know, something that, that's very real and very important for men, that it's not so easy to just give those things up. And then, you know, women, society in general often uh, punish men for doing that. You know, they may say one thing, but men get punished for being soft sometimes too, oftentimes by not just other men. I was going to, like that female perspective, like 100%, like if you ask, you know, women that question those questions we were talking about and then you factor in that aspect of safety and like evolution and things and for us we had that we've had that conditioning and that program programming that those things to look for in a partner are what keep us safe and then what men are these behaviors and what they're doing are the things that you know are keeping them safe and we're all holding on to like these rules when you said that earlier the word maddening we're holding on to things that are absolutely maddening and expecting to feel safe. Yeah. And like the structure, I, and I think because things are becoming more progressive and it's causing that reactivity that you mentioned, Evan, like people, the more conservative mind of mindset, not just politics, but just that perception of gender and the binary and things like that. It's very fascinating to see like, I feel like we're so polarized right now and just reacting at one another. And we, and I feel like it's making nobody feel safe and just threatened all the time. And I wonder if that's, I wonder if it's just a, a matter of slowing the hell down, right? <laughs> like, you know, we're, yeah. we've spent so much time throughout, you know, the ages of humanity constantly pushing forward and constantly running from a predator or thriving to build a society or, you know, take power over this other person or conquer this territory, you know, and we're always, we're moved forward at light speed. I mean, everything, everything just goes crazy and it booms and it busts, but it's almost like we've just become cogs in the machine and forgot that we, we are driving the machine. We, we have our hands on the steering wheel and, and you know, coming back to center maybe maybe one of the best starts for every bit of change instead of like trying to tear things apart and saying this is right this is wrong this is bad this fits maybe we don't need any of that maybe it's just stop let's collectively come to the center let's yeah. let's just get to the center and then let's talk from there let's just find our way right to the middle not worry about pointing fingers or ripping down this or saying this is okay and this is not or conservative views, more open-minded, like what can we get all of that off the table and just get to that center spot and then build from there? Like now I'm super fucking fascinated. Excuse my friends. Now, now, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. I, you know, it's, 
I think there's something to be said for that. And like, this is my personal belief and other people would vehemently disagree or even, you know, castigate me on this one. But I do think we all need to take a collective breath and we need to really examine how we talk to each other and people who we don't agree with and acknowledge, right? You know, it's like if I take my, like a super liberal, um, and again, you know, and, and I'm meaning this from the, the mind, literally the, the liberal, uh, we'll say like a progressive mindset, which is that of change, right? And every society of people, and I, and I think there's a biology and there's some research on this too, of progressively minded people who are the ones who are saying, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's change. Let's, you know, and then you have the conservatives like, all right, let's slow down. There's some things here, you know, there is danger in change. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's like the risk reward of making an investment, right? And, you know, and then there's like, yeah, that fear of change and what's going to happen if we, we do this. And I think sometimes as the more progressively minded folks where maybe it's a lot of the camp that we're sitting on, especially in mental health, it 99% skews towards, you know, folks who are more liberal and progressive minded. And then we want to push that, those beliefs onto other people. And I think there is a value in, in working towards that. But um, again, that, that really can become dysregulated. And like what you were saying too, it, you know, if you look at it from like a historical perspective, anytime like there is radical change that happens too fast, it often goes very poorly. Yeah. Uh, when you have one side that dominates the other in this massive change, and we tear down society structure and just say, we're gonna start anew. It's like, you know, bad, bad things often happen. Like it's often a recipe for disaster. I think we could have, you know, some, and I think change is happening really fast and it's often for the good. But I think we need to be more mindful and respectful of a lot of the people who are a little bit more fearful of that change and have a dialogue and not um, shame them or, you know, try to just beat them into submission because at the end of the day, they don't appreciate that very much. And then that pushes them further into their own beliefs, even just out of disdain for you. And yeah. I think you see a lot of that happening and it's like, hey, you know, let's just look at it from like a political aspect. Like, hey, we've won, you know, like, you know, not having to say what political side I am just because I don't like to put that in mental health. You probably guess, but it's like, hey, we won and look at that. And it's like, we're going to win forever. And then, you know, then four years later, it's like you just get absolutely shellacked and you're like, oh, wait, I probably should have uh, not shamed the other side and had a conversation. Um, right. It, this shouldn't be a war, right? Like this isn't a war, right? Like this is this is us as a collective. And, and you know, those, those big those big events are that brute, trying to brute force a, a pathway for an idea or, or a specific change that, like you said, leaves the other people in their wake. That's that's a level of global or world level trauma to a certain sector of the species right like that's might not be an individual my you know abuse by a parent or something like that but that can be traumatic right am i am i wrong am i looking at that wrong i would imagine like you really force a giant group or you you know you decide you're going to conquer another country and just force those people into your belief system and that's traumatic for a large portion of the species yeah like at best, it's just like unpleasant and, you know, just, you know, consequential and, you know, just drives disdain. You know, at worst, you have like communist Russia, <laughs> it, like it, millions of people die. 
and that's and there's plenty of examining you have the french revolution and communist russia and you know maoist china yeah you have you know these examples of like these broad swaths and just yeah it just and so i think the same bringing it back to mental health and men and gender it's like i think you could have progressive change pretty quickly but i think we need to be better at making the case as to why and and have better communicate and because that's the thing that pisses me off honestly the most about where we're at right now is just like the style of communication on whether it's either side of the aisle are okay so or let's say like i look at my side and look at the more the most like progressive fashion you know factions of that and just the way that these things are communicated uh and, it, and it's just all about fighting and a war and we need to and there you do need to have a fight for sure but it's not necessarily just fighting the enemy but it's fighting ideas and and how do we like I, you know, like I was saying before, some of my, you know, clients who uh, take on those hyper-masculine traits, I need to sometimes use masculinity. I need to fight masculinity with masculinity with some of them. Because if I'm like, you know, the hippy-dippy therapist, he's like, no, we got to get in touch. I got to be like, look, bro, <laughs> like, this is why you need to do this. Here's my case. And, and you know, and, and they respect that. But also, we need to respect why it is that they're doing that and not you know just saying oh you know you just took on these really toxic traits and and you need to drop all this and it just it doesn't work that well um and i think we have we all need to take a breath and be mindful of how we're communicating you know this to our male clients and treatment and understanding the the value in some of those traits and, and that they had and how important they were and how important they you know some of them still are in some ways um i think there's this there's this idea and i, I mean i don't know how much i buy into this but i think um maybe there's some truth in it but it's like you know hard men make soft times and soft men make hard times have you ever heard that before it's no. like no. It's like a historical, right? But I think that's something that gets in vibe, right? And I like, I like, I like love studying history, but it's like, um, you know, you take someone like Genghis Khan, right? Who grew up, you know, in the harshest and the steppe and rose from nothing and built an army, you know, this tough, you know, cruel, just ice cold son of a gun, right? Took over the world. And then what happens, right, in, in, in that region is like, you know, then all of a sudden they become fat, happy, rich, and, you know, just using that as a, you know, know, just a uh, figure of speech. And then their sons become, you know, wearing silk robes. And then, you know, you know, or you could even look at that, it's used like in the World War II generation, you know, the tough GIs went and they went and defeated the Nazis and they were hard as hell. And now look how great we have it. Right. And then it's like we soften up and then we lose that. You know, we don't have that hard work, that grid or whatever. And then everything gets lost. And, you know, I don't know if there's really anything to that, but I think that goes to that general sense of like our understanding of masculinity and that maybe there is some value in balance and having some of that of like, okay, yeah, I do maybe need to be strong, competitive, you know, I have to let things bounce off me. But at the same time, I could come home, put my feet up, you know, have 
good, strong, close connections. And I think there is some, and, and that's some of the communication that I'll give to men as well of like, this could actually help you, right? If you, if you really want to like be successful, be a good provider, um, you know, just like the workaholic saying, Hey, like, actually let's, let's learn how to take a break and get some sleep and get some rest and then go back in and, and then you'll be more refreshed, ready to go. You live life more balanced and you can actually in the long run be more successful. You could communicate that to men as well. Um, if you're able to be vulnerable and shed some of the more harsh, you know, tip of the spear, toxic masculinity, whatever you want to call it, um, that you, that you can be strong, that it is okay. That makes sense. Yeah. When you brought up both of you bring coming to center and centering, uh, coming from my social work lens and Evan, I don't know how engaged you are with the National Association of Social Workers, but our chapter does a really great do- job at doing um, anti-oppression practice. And um, they did a, a three-part series training on becoming an anti-oppression informed practitioner. And part of that was every, every, they would do a training and then the next month they would do like an hour long come together and process and just be together collectively and talk about those things that that we're doing in practice. And part of that implementation was doing a centering exercise, Mm -hmm. um, which was really beautiful. And so when you guys say centering, I know you weren't meaning it in this way, but that's where my brain went is so often we're on autopilot and we're just fighting the good fight and, you know, trying to stick, protect ourselves but also we believe so firmly in these things that have kept us safe that we don't take the moment to and like where am I right now what am I feeling in my body why is this important to me what's the most important thing right now we just go 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 and so that came to me as you know a level of importance of how we how we make the change and how we make other people feel safe doing it is going more toward that woo woo (laughs) yogi practice of just centering and being mindful you know and i think a lot of that too comes down to meeting people where they're at that's what that's Mm -hmm. the of it too is not just me trying to be like oh i'm the expert i'm the therapist here's all the research here's the you know mindful you know it's like you have to meet them where they're at and slowly bring them closer to that point and not do it in a way that's dysregulating and say, oh, hey, like, you know, according to my education and knowledge and, you know, emotionality and, you know, what my field, um, you know, the narrative that we invibe, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to shed you of this toxic, toxic masculinity. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to have you, you know, practicing yoga and incense and center, you know, we're going to have you doing that right away. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that always works so well. And, that, and I agree with you that it is important to center, take a breath and and you know, just have, you know, and that's like something I'm pretty passionate about. I don't do like too many videos on it quite, but you know, if you've been in my lives and stuff that I like have a, you know, that I'm writing a book and giving it's all about communication. Um, and so that's what's like really tough for me to see. And I think we are guilty of this as a profession 
um, where we don't always have the best communication or we take on a certain central narrative and then try to push others and try to fight other, you know, kind of from this like activist lens, which like you need to have. But I think sometimes it's like you make the task, you know, when you when you throw people's walls up, when you start attacking them and what they're doing and you start from that, their walls are going up. Now, look, I could you know, be the heart, you know, the strongest activist and I'll go and I'll chip those walls, right, you know, and we'll fight and we'll get things pushed and passed forward. But I think sometimes there is that uh, there is a something to be said about taking a step back, taking a breath, acknowledging, validating, right? Because that's something we learn, right? And yep. in our training, our education is how, you know, validating, meeting people where they're at, holding, pe- you know, holding people in, uh, you know, in uh, unconditional positive regard, right? That Rogerian uh, motivational interviewing type, right? But then, so we believe that, but then we go and we try to, you know, beat people into submission and and challenge and question everything that they're coming in the room with. So I think that's why communication is so important. Just like the communication we try to teach between couples, you know, can we do that better as a profession so I feel like, okay, maybe we do a good job with that with clients. And I think, you know, most therapists are doing a good job. And especially when men come in the room and a lot of times they feel more comfortable with a woman. I think sometimes right then and there um, that that could be helpful um, where they feel okay. Whereas like coming, you know, a guy coming to a guy, I think there is some value in that of like, okay, you know, the therapy room is the practice room. Okay, can you practice being vulnerable with another guy? So I think there's a different value inherent in that as well. Um, but yeah, just so, being better at communicating. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So Evan, no, 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 you're fine. Um, you know, like you'd mentioned and, you know, kind of working to, to close out our, our, our show today, mm-hmm. those walls are up and, you know, you can take the activist side, like you said, and just try to knock those walls down. But maybe to the conversation point of us coming to the center, we just want to get that person to unlock their door and open it up. So what do you think you could leave us with today that would help open that door? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you go to someone and say, hey, everything you've been doing is wrong, <laughs> you know, up until this point. And this is why you're here, why you're here. Right. So I think going in and acknowledging, you know, acknowledging, you know, what brought you here and saying, you know, that, you know, what you did was important, right? Some of these things being tough, you needed that. That got you to where you are. Here are the good things you have. You know, this is where it got you. But hey, here we are at such and such age. And, you know, is there any of these things that we could let go? Is there any, has there been any downsides to that? What, and really exploring that with people, not coming at them and saying, hey, everything you've been doing is wrong and validating the importance and not and not attacking, all, you know, all of masculinity. And I, yeah, because even if it is true, I just don't think it's a helpful narrative to have mm-hmm. to attack everything about masculinity or anything about feminine or anything in general and acknowledge why that is and why it's important but why it is also now important for the society we're living in today to shed some of the more sharp edges of that. Cause it's really the sharp edges that hurt other people and then in turn come back and hurt ourselves. And it, you know, so not tearing down the system, but acknowledging the importance of whatever that was and then working, meeting them where they're at 
and I think you could do that outside of, of a therapy setting as well. And I think as a society as a whole, I think there could be some benefit to that. So, yeah, so I'd say meeting people where they're at and uh, acknowledging and validating, you know, those defense mechanisms that were important for survival. And the last thing, too, and I didn't necessarily mention this, but, you know, we have our instincts. We have our, uh, I call it like our lower nature, right? You know, the part of our, our survival, our natural, right? And that's where our society has segmented off and where we get our norms from. It's these instincts that get taken to an extreme. And I tell clients of this all the time is, you know, that part of us is actually more powerful, right? Our inner animal, our instinct, our drive, our emotions, it's it's more powerful and, and autonomic, but we have this higher mind as humans, we're blessed with this prefrontal cortex, um, with this ability to analyze and, and we could hack our system, right? Mm-hmm. We can actually go in and, you know, there's limits to this, but we don't have to be a slave to those instincts. Um, and so as a man, we could say, we could then challenge those instincts and, you know, from a cognitive approach, if you want to call it, um, work to saying, oh, wait, we, you know, I don't need this for survival. I'm not on the savannah. I'm, this isn't 150 years ago. Um, I can, I do have agency and choice and how I approach life in a more mindful way. And for me, mindful, thoughtful. I'm putting thought into what I'm doing and I'm not just reacting on instinct. And you could apply that to almost anything, but I think it's important to apply that, um, you know, in, in this in these situations and working with men. That's kind of my final. Evan, I love that you said that as a final closing because I don't think the general public, <laughs> general society understands that 95% of how we function day in and day out is subconscious. Like how infrequently 5% of our 5% of our functioning were actually cognitively presently aware and mindful and paying attention. Um, and it's usually in times of like severe stress when we're forced to, <laughs> when we're forced to, right? Um, so I appreciate you leaving us with that. Tommy, anything else before we close out? No, uh, I think this is a great conversation. Evan, very much appreciate your insight. Um, ladies, as always, for for backing this this kind of push and this this kind of one corner of the world to potentially help tear down some of those uh, or open the door. I think we're going to open the door today. We're not going to tear anything down. So yeah, yeah. No, and honestly, I think yeah, this was an awesome conversation, and I haven't really had this conversation with anybody. You know, so it's like a lot of these thoughts came to me, and it's like probably stuff I was like I've been like holding in like anger. <laughs> I was like, totally get that out. And you know what, too, I think it you know it. Um, no, cause especially of, of the culture that I'm in, right. It's, I'm at, like, as a man, I'm in a very social work, right? Especially as a social worker, um, you know, in general, well, I'm not tea, whatever. It's a very feminized, it is extreme, you know, and so everything is looked at from that lens. And sometimes it would be, you know, that's why I probably don't talk about a lot of this stuff as much as I'm, I'm afraid. Right. And I've actually gotten a lot of backlash, too, when I brought some of these topics off. So then I'm just like, OK, well, fuck it. I'm just not going to say anything, you know, where, um, you know, challenging some of the greater of society or talking about how, you know, the you know, some of these things for men, it's like it is OK and not everything, you know. And so then hearing, you know, it, it may be 
Kelsey and a man on the inside are just like, oh, you know, but <laughs> you were, you know, like you acknowledge, and I think it feels good too from it, like to, you know, have that support and acknowledge like, hey, yeah, that is okay. And yeah, maybe there are some greater changes that need to be made as a society. It is, it is validating, um, you know, for me as, as someone, as a man in this profession that is skews much more feminine and has that um, lens and approach and everything is viewed through that, you know, it is good to have, to be able to have these conversations in a, you know, even if you don't agree with everything I'm saying in a non-judgmental kind of way, you know, feels good too. So I think this is really, really cool conversation for sure. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we appreciate it. So everyone, um, like I said, go back and watch Evan's previous episode and go follow him on TikTok. Evan the Counselor, he has his own YouTube channel, Evan the Counselor, right? Yeah. Yeah, go find him on all the socials. Um, And then as always, subscribe, leave us comments if you have any questions for Evan specifically. We'll make sure they get back to him. Uh, we are still confirming our guests for next week, so I'm sorry I can't give you the heads up of who we're going to be chatting with next week. But as always, stay tuned, and it was good to see everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Take care.